Welcome to another edition of the Built for the Storm podcast. Hosted by three-time World Series champion Jeremy Affelt. Affelt brings it. Chopper on the infield. Affelt to the bag himself. Get ready to experience life's winding journey through the minds of proven leaders in the worlds of sports, business, and entertainment. And he strikes out. That's four straight for Affelt. Can't do it any better than Jeremy Affelt. As they draw up your own personal playbook to overcoming the odds and achieving real success. We just don't give up. We don't quit. You know how we pieced everything together, man. Seeing teams win like this, the way we win. What's the best way to weather a storm? Run into it head on, charging full steam ahead. This is unbelievable, you know, game seven. I mean, this will be a memory for a long time for me. I'm so happy I got to come to the park today. Here's the fearless leader of our pack, Jeremy Affelt. I have an awesome guest with me today. She's a personal friend. Uh, We'll get into that later, but uh, I also want to introduce her accordingly. She's an eight-time Emmy Award-winning producer, personality, Reporter, host, MC. I mean, <laughs> she's got all of it. So I met her, obviously, with the Giants. She was an on-field reporter of the Giants, also promoting the team, the players, doing all kinds of fun stuff. But she's also that much more than that, obviously, an author. She has some books we'll talk about. She does a great job with just bringing out people's personalities and getting fans, especially, to know players in different scenarios. So I just want to thank you, Amy. Amy Gutierrez, but we know her as Amy G, and a lot of followers here are from the Bay Area, so I'm sure everybody will know you as Amy G. Thank you for coming on. Oh my gosh, this is so much fun for me to have the tables turned. Yeah, right. And you have to interview me. Oh my gosh, I love it. <laughs> I just got to know when to stop nervous. talking and answering questions. I got to let you answer them, not keep talking I, through. I'm gonna- <laughs> I'm going to take so much time to answer my questions. I'm going to go on and on and on and on. And you're like looking at your watch. <laughs> that would be awesome. That's great. That's what Buster, oh. Buster just texted me. He's like, are you doing podcasts? I said, yeah. He's like, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. You can't stop talking. So now you just want to hear yourself talk. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what you do. You're good at it. So you well. Exactly. Capitalize on it. That's right. That's right. Well, I appreciate you being on. For those of you listening, this is called Built for the Storm. And what we do is I'm going to bring on, I bring on people in every different walk of life, affluential people, successful people, athletes, sometimes just people that have a story, but I bring out the human side and we're going to talk about, you know, life in, because we see a lot of times, uh, Amy, you, you have a lot of followers, you have people that follow you, but they see the Instagram, they see the Facebook, they see the Hey, I'm on YouTube or I'm on MOB Network. Uh, I, I see you just a YouTube game the other day. You do stuff for the Giants. You're obviously influencing in, in some of the universities, but that's still the social media aspect. And sometimes I like and appreciate what you said is the tables are turned because I think it, there's value in getting your story. You've spent so much time and effort and done a very good job of connecting with players and, and getting people to hear their stories. But I think that at some time, at some point, I think everybody has that thought of like, what's her story? What is her deal? And I think it's super important that you get a chance and that we get to dialogue and talk about it. Cause believe it or not, we do talk about storms here, but it's through the very fact that we're built for them. We're built to get through them. And you've been through some storms and a lot of people just don't necessarily see it because they don't understand the concept of 
well, she just took another job or she just, that's not all there is to it. And so I want to, I want to chat about that too. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Perfect. So I I appreciate you coming on. You come from a sport family. Let's just say you and your husband, I guess a sport marriage and your husband, he does what? Paul is a sports journalist and he was when I met him back in 1997. He's going to kill me if I get that wrong. I'm pretty sure. It was- <laughs> oh, and met him where? Ago, met him in college? I met, I met him through a mutual friend. I went to UC Davis and my girlfriend had graduated and, and got a job at Sports Illustrated in New York. And so I was in LA working in television. And most people don't realize that I started in just regular news, like your six o'clock 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock news. That was my path. And that's what I wanted to do as a producer all behind huh. the scenes. Yeah. Never was <laughs> the camera. The camera. Yeah. And so I was, a, I was a writer. That was kind of my best skill set. So I went back to New York to visit Kimmy, who is still a very good friend of mine today. One of my best friends. And it's kind of a funny story. I went to go, I went to her brownstone, which she had like the basement and she shared this with like seven other people. And we'd had, to, it was like Laverne and Shirley. You had to like look up through the grate uh, on the street to see what the weather was going to be yeah. like. And I, we were looking through photo albums. So this is, I'm dating myself. We had pictures in albums and I was just looking through albums and and she had this great crew of people that she worked with at Sports Illustrated and they had just covered the Atlanta Olympics in 96. And there's this guy in front doing like a West side gang sign, leaning down. And I said, oh, hey, hey, who's that? He's, he's cute. You know, she, goes, she said, oh my gosh, that's so funny. She had my picture in her office, a picture of us in her office, yeah. her friends. And she said, he just asked about you and, and who you were. Mm. So I had the upper hand. Because yeah. I knew he had asked about me, but he did not know that I asked about him. Uh-huh. And we went to Sports Illustrated to see where she worked in her office. And that's where I met Paul. And it was a lot of Paul. He had the office just down the hall from her. Yeah. And it was a lot of him. There was probably seven or eight trips from his office back to Kim's office to say, what are you guys doing? You know, what are you doing later? Are yeah. you going to go to dinner? Maybe, maybe we can meet, you know, yeah. and then, it, and then we all hung out and that's, that's how I met Paul. Oh, so, that's awesome. I think yeah. you have two kids. So he's always, and we have two kids. Yeah. So he's always been in sports. Okay. I was in news and then um, our paths just through layoffs and moves and all these things. He was at the LA times covering the Dodgers yeah, and yeah. a pack 10 basketball at the time. Now it's back 12, the, but I guess it's back to pack 10 because a couple of the teams left. I can't keep track and, of all that. Um, yeah. And I worked at box sports net as a producer producing features for the different regions we had across the country. This was back in, in 2001, right after we got married and I was in the job for one week. So if you want your first storm, yeah, we got married. I moved to LA. We hadn't quite figured that out. Yeah, And then I got laid off. Ooh. I was at Cron in San Francisco working regular news and I got laid off and I picked up a job at Fox sports and I started on September 4th, 2001. Same thing. When I went into producing there. I was okay. going to produce sports features for different regions across the country. And that was September 4th, 2001. Mm. So people are doing their math one week later, nine 11 happened. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so that was kind of, you know, obviously that was a storm for the world and yeah. for 
all of us here. And the way it affected me job wise was the, you know, the industry, the company I'd gotten hired by kind of crumbled. We lost all kinds of advertisers. A bunch of people had to be let go. And I happened to be kept because I was hired on as a freelancer. So I didn't have benefits. I didn't, I was an hourly wage. So I was kind of cheap labor basically. Yeah. And this job that I thought was going to be so great and Fox sports, you know, was a huge name. And I got to work in sports, which I hadn't done before, but I always loved sports. I played sports growing up. I played volleyball at Davis. My dad was a great athlete, a pitcher. And so things changed, you know, on a dime, they changed really quickly. And I kind of became a glorified intern finding video for different regions across the country. The whole, the whole format changed as to what we did and and what we broadcast. And that led me to look up in back in the Bay area to Fox sports net Bay area, which is what today is NBC sports Bay area. It started at Fox sports net Bay area. And, um, I started commuting back and forth. And um, I realized at the time, you know, Paul and I were in our first year of marriage and I was absolutely miserable in LA. Yeah. I hated being there. And you know, only Dodgers fans like it there anyway. So it's fine. I don't even know if they like it there. <laughs> Honestly. Well, sure they only it. like it until for the sixth inning. They don't like the first six innings. I can tell you that. Right. <laughs> the sixth and the seventh inning and then they go home. Yeah. 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 So, um, and that was, that was probably, you know, that was a real difficult time in my life. I was 28 years old and I was newly married and my husband wasn't around very much. Yeah. And you can attest to knowing what that's like, where, you know, you're, you're just trying to figure out who you are as a married couple. And he's taking off to go cover the Dodgers on this road trip. You know, however long it was going to be a seven game, a 10 game, a three game. Yeah. And I remember feeling resentful you know, a little bit like I moved down here and, and my job crashed and it takes me an hour to go 10 miles. You're never around. Yeah. And it was the impetus to look up at Fox sports net Bay area. And I, I knew at that time I wanted to be back home. Yeah. If we were going to have a family, if, if he was going to continue this lifestyle, I needed a community. I needed to have you know, the people, my parents, my friends that I, I, you know, I'm from Petaluma, California, not a lot of us leave. And so there's a lot of support here. And I knew that was going to be the way it was going to work for us. Should we have a family? And it didn't go over well with Paul because he had, he had his dream job. Yeah. yeah, He was a sports reporter at the LA times. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I asked him to leave and so that was, that was a tough time yeah, for sure. And not only was I asking him to change, you know, where he had always wanted to work. It was, it was like a dream job. Paul grew up in Southern California and to work at the mm. LA times was kind of a pinnacle. Um, there were no jobs. This is when the newspaper started to crash and he yeah. was at a newspaper, the best newspaper, arguably beyond New York times. Yep. And I'm asking him to leave that. and but go find a job in the newspaper industry where there really aren't jobs anymore because the newspaper, it was all going online. Everything was going online. So interestingly enough, I got, we both got put on the final four. I was 
uh, with Fox Sports Net. I was still at Fox Sports Net. I was commuting back and forth between Fox Sports Net Bay Area and Fox Sports Net, the network. Yeah. And he got sent to go cover the Final Four. And this was in New Orleans. And I got sent as well. And they loved our little package deal because one of our companies didn't have to pay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, man, it's money. This is great. Yeah, Yeah, we were were a great package deal. And um, I got pregnant on that trip. Well, (laughs) that they should have seen. And that's what happens in the package deal. (laughs) Yeah. And so then we just had a whole new, you know, (sighs) thing to deal with. I mean, you know, we were really excited, but we really hadn't figured ours because he hasn't left la yet you're still you're up in petaluma area i'm going back and forth pregnant and now i'm pregnant yeah so fox sports net bay area came to me and they said hey you could have a lot more work with us if you were around more if Mm. you if you lived here and i was always a freelancer i was always a contractor yeah so i took everything i was given because you never when you know in that world you just say yes yes yeah yeah i'll do it and um so I moved, I got a duplex and I moved up here and he was in LA and we had two places and I, I was going through my pregnancy. And so, you know, to fast forward through the story, cause obviously Paul and I've been married 21 years, so mm-hmm. it works out in the end, Yeah. Um, but it was a very difficult time. I, I, the pregnancy, I was by myself with Zachary and my parents were here. He's a senior now, right? A He's a senior too, right? By the way. Yeah. You're in high school, yeah, 17 yeah, yeah. years old. And the, so I went through my pregnancy and the first 10 months of Zach's life before Paul was able to, he landed a job at the Sacramento Bee covering the Raiders so he could be based in the Bay Area. Right. So it was a long, it was a long go and uh, really pushed us and and tested our relationship early out of the gate. You know, we were, we were very rocky with, is this going to work? And then with being pregnant, we were kind of like, we have to make this work. Like we want to make this work, but we also have to make this work. And how's that going to go? And I, it took him a while to get on board with being in Petaluma and being around all of my people that was hard on him. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say now, you know, this is so many years later, but he loves it here. And I think there's a lot of reflection on probably each of us could have done it better and had a little more, um, empathy to each other's situations, but we were young and eager and I wanted to stay in the business. And I felt like I'd kind of found a path and a place with Fox sports net Bay area. They liked me. They liked what I could do. I could do multiple things. And at the time I was all behind the scenes. And that's when Ted Griggs, who ended up being my boss, he's like, why don't you do some on camera stuff? And that's, that's how that opportunity started. So, so that was kind of my first storm. Yeah. But those kind of things happen. Those are the things that people that I like to talk about, you know, you you got, there's work, there's dynamics, there's children, there's selfishness, right? Like, so for me, like I always tell these young people, look, you can't have kids until you're willing to be selfless. It changes everything. Like the baby came into your guys's world and it was like, no, now we have to make, we have to figure it out. Cause you can't be going back and forth with a baby. Like it changes a lot of things and maybe I'm wrong. Do you feel, has Paul always been, has he, uh, it was a selfless act that he did that took him a while to get there. And now the baby obviously created more of a, well, now I have to figure it out. Does he think that 
even though it was not his first, would he say, wouldn't want it any other way? It worked out perfect. This is great. I absolutely think he looks back at it as this ended up being the right thing to do, even though during it, it felt difficult and he felt, you know, I'm speaking for him. I feel, I feel a little bit bad, but in my opinion, I think he felt forced a little bit into changing what he wanted to do and that it was a little unfair. Everything was kind of one-sided to what I, I wanted, where I wanted to be. And I would put it on, well, but look at your career, you're traveling, you're gone. You, you know, yeah. and you want to keep living this type of lifestyle in your career. You have to make the home lifestyle work for me. And I'm asking you for this. And he gave it to me, but it took a long time, even after you agree, right. Yeah. You know, this from relationships, you can agree, but there's resentment. Yeah, and always. there was resentment for a long time when he was here, once he came here, you know, and, and I think that the next storm in that was really what happened in my career. Yeah. We didn't plan on me ever being the Giants in-game reporter. It was never on my radar. I didn't ask for it. Yeah. And I was just kind of saying yes to everything, to any contract job that Fox offered me. And so, you know, fast forward to. Because you worked for the A's before that, right? Before right. the Giants? So, yeah. So I moved up here in 2003 and freelanced. And I did everything like features for college halftime games, you know, Stanford, Cal. I did all kinds of sit down interviews. I remember I interviewed Marshawn Lynch and Aaron Rodgers, you know, when they were in college. Yeah. So that's the time frame. And anything they needed to fill content, I produced and went out and got for them. And then I would put those features together and I wasn't in them. And then that kind of started to change where I started to do a stand up here or there and somebody saw it. And really what happened, my break into on camera was Roxy Bernstein. I don't know if you remember him, but he is a play by play uh, for the Bay Area for a long time. He got a gig in Florida And he was hosting a show called the Cal Sports Report. And I'd had Zachary at this point, but like recently, like two months, and I hadn't really gotten back to yeah, Yeah. 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 a little little chubby. Yeah. And they said, hey, we have this opportunity for you to host these final two shows. And I was like, oh, because I'd never said no. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, just please Yeah. Shoot me from really high up. Like, <laughs> I, I was like 30 pounds, you know, overweight after having yeah. it. I was just like, and TV doesn't help with that, by the way. It doesn't yeah, help with no, all no. that either. It doesn't help at all. Yeah. So I, I took those two shows just as a job. And that's what Ted Griggs saw. And so that kind of dominoed into the A's job. And so that was 2006, 2007, where I would go in do sit down interviews with a player, make a feature out of it. And we had a pregame show. We had like 15 for the season. This was the best, honestly, still the best job I ever had. I got to go in, set up the feature. I remember I talked to Jermaine Dye. I interviewed Mark Kotze. And we do these kind of lengthy features with them for our pregame show. I'd go in for the show, which was like 6.30 to 7. I fronted my feature. I sat on the back end and Mindy Bach interviewed me about it. 
I did a little segment about the manager's meeting, like, you know, notes, like what are the injuries, updates, that kind of stuff, field conditions, because it's been raining outside, that kind of stuff. And then I went home Yeah. (laughs) and and no one knew who I was. It was the A's. So no one was watching. Yeah. So it was literally the best gig because I got to work my creative outlet out. And you know this, I... I love a great story and I love to tell a great story. And I want people to know great stories about the athletes that we watch and we admire and and we revere. And if I can find stories that really bring that hero to life and make him or her tangible, I just think it's so inspirational. And often you don't find it in someone in sports. And so when you can, you really want to bring it to life. And I know firsthand being around you guys so, so long, how difficult the grind is and the expectations of the fan base are unrealistic often. And and I always felt like I kind of needed to protect you guys in that. Like, you know, they know. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. Know yeah. How we, many games out they are. They know they haven't scored any runs. You we know. got it. Yeah. We, so, we, we get that. Yeah. We stink right now. You, yeah, yeah. They get it. <laughs> how did you feel though? Let's go back a little bit to when you started doing stuff with the A's and you got into the players. I always wonder this perspective, like, not, I guess it depends on the player too, on the intimidation factor. Cause na- naturally, depending on the guy, right? You're like, oh my gosh, it's Derek Jeter. Like having to sit down with him is a little more intimidating than having to sit down with me, right? Completely different scenario. But how did it feel going in? Cause you did the college scene and you sat with the players there. But the college players for me, no matter how big they are, how good they are, they can be however they want to be, but they're still not a pro yet. So it's kind of like, probably a little bit easier and they're trying to market themselves still a little bit more. And they're trying to like, they're excited because the in-camera stuff is newer for them too. But then you get to the professional level. Was it easier? Was it, was it tough to have conversations with them? I guess I'm trying to say, or is it, was it a simple thing or was it hard to break into that? Or how did you feel you were treated or thought of coming into those situations? So there's a lot to unpack there with, you know, how I felt at the time because I had a new baby. I had, my husband was here, but he wasn't thrilled about being here. Like I had a lot going on personally and I'm trying to figure out this new gig. The nice thing was with the A's job, nothing was live except the pregame stuff was live, but it was just me like kind of repeating what the manager had said. Yeah. But there was a lot of learning curves. Like, I'll never forget, I called Ken Maka, who was the manager. I called him coached. Uh-huh. And he yeah. looked at me and he said, it's manager. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was like, sure. you know, I made so many mistakes in my career. So many with the Giants. I mean, don't let me forget to tell you about my first game covering the Giants mm. with Boach. Or yeah. He would love to tell it. But there, I made so many mistakes. But what I knew about myself, I knew I was smart. I knew I was a quick learner and I knew if I made a mistake, I wasn't going to make it again. Mm. And that was how I had to continue to grow. And I really also felt that because it was the A's and they were pretty good. They went to the playoffs in either six or seven because it was Zito, Hudson, yeah, oh yeah. Mulder, Kata. It was that. They went group. to the playoffs every year, it seemed like during that time. They, yeah, they, they lost in the first round, yeah, but they went yeah. to the playoffs. They were a good team, but they weren't, they were like kind of, you know, Zito has like a hippie vibe to him and he yep. was just kind of, I didn't talk to them often. I kind of went in, zeroed in on who I needed to talk to 
And that was that. It wasn't like when I covered you guys where I had to talk to multiple guys every single day to cover different things I was going to do in the game because I didn't have to do anything in the game. Yeah. But I do remember Paul would cover some stuff too. And, you know, I was quite a bit younger at that time. Yeah. And I remember being insecure about being female. Yeah. And who you were because you're younger. You're walking into a, younger, a scene and, I, and yeah. your identity, right? You're like, this is who I know I am, but I, how do I convince people that? Or I don't even know if I'm comfortable in my own skin right now doing this. And these guys well, that I'm are, that yeah. are interviewing are very comfortable in their own skin. They're actually too yeah. comfortable. <laughs> so, so it's kind of tough. You knew, you knew, you, you knew being a, there's like three females out there. Yeah. You're being looked at. Yeah, You're no doubt. You're being talked about mm-hmm. for sure. And then your husband's there watching them watch you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, yeah. Oh God, oh God. Yeah. And that, you know, that was pretty short lived with Paul where I don't even know if jealous is the right word, but it was uncomfortable at times sure. when he would see me try to go up to a player, approach them and, you know, my approach versus his approach. And he's, He's the pro, right? He's been in sports this whole time and I'm new to sports Yeah. and how you, you know, the etiquette and all the things that you need to do. But I honestly, I, throughout my career, you know, I can count on one hand, the times that I was really uncomfortable with something that was said to me or something that um, rubbed me the wrong way sure. or made me mad. I, I think I got very, very lucky in the players that I covered yeah, and the jobs that I had, especially with the A's were so infrequent that I wasn't there enough for them to ever really get to know me. And then with you guys, the time I had with you guys, you guys, it was just a really good group. Yeah, It was just a really, really good group. And it's, you know, it started with Boach and he never, ever made me feel stupid or, and I did some really stupid things. Like, I know I did, but I think he knew pretty quickly I would catch on. Yeah. And, and that was, you know, that that's what I could do. That's what I could do that. And then, you know, learning from your mistakes, but yeah. So yeah. So on that learning from your mistakes, what's that? I was thinking on that learning from your mistakes scenario, that's kind of the thing that I've been trying to push as much as I can. Anytime we do, I like common themes and a lot of people who are very successful at what they do. That is a common thing. I talk to my oldest son about that all the time is they're not failures. They're teachable moments. And it's okay to make a mistake as long as you learn from it. It's if you make that mistake and then you dwell on it and then you collapse because you don't understand what that mistake means, you'll lose your identity and who you are. But with you, you, I've heard you say it several times, like I learned from my mistakes. I like that because for me, it's like you're not afraid of failing and you're on TV. Like you're not even afraid of failing on TV. And I say this about you and I both public speak. People are like, how are you so comfortable public speaking? I said, because I'm not afraid to embarrass myself in front of people. If I mess up, I laugh at myself. Therefore, I'm comfortable speaking. Most people are scared to speak because they're afraid of what they're going to look like if they do something wrong. And I'm not that. And I don't think you are either. And I think what made it comfortable for me with you in the clubhouse, and we had a lot of talks. I met you in 09 where you were just kind of coming over to the Giants. And I remember we had a conversation and I was like, hey, you're going to approach me. If you approach me, if you're assertive, I'm going to be a lot more comfortable with you than if you're timid. And just go up to somebody and say, hey, love to chat about this. 
Uh, yep. Want to talk about this scenario? Would you be available and what time? Now I'm like, all right, two o'clock, let's talk. But if you were to come up to me like, hey, I was thinking, I'd be like, oh man, I got to deal with her again. Yeah. And, but I think that's what you did really well from what I saw when I was there. And the players were very involved with you because it was like, no. I don't know this beat writer from Adam who's going to bury me tomorrow and then praise me the next day. Amy's actually just trying to keep my human side around and she yeah. approaches me with pretty good confidence. And, and I think that that to me, for you hearing, like you learn from your mistakes. I appreciate that. And I think that's why, in my opinion, I think that's why you've done so well through storms is because you're not afraid to take them on. You're not afraid to go through them. They suck. You're not afraid to go through them. And you yeah. know what's on the other side is a learning experience and promotion. Promotion, I'm better at this. I'm better as a human. I'm better as an on-field reporter. I'm better as an MC. Now I'm better. I mean, you now look at you. You're, you're just, you're flourishing from what obviously we can see from, from the outside. You, you're taking on some pretty cool roles. So I appreciate hearing that from you. I think a lot, I, I'll never forget that conversation with you, by the way. Yeah. And um, I won't. But I think so much of it has come with age and time and being a mom that, you have so much more perspective, but it's also your, the storms that you have kind of under your belt, right? You have these reference points now to when you're in the thick of something. Well, when have I felt this way before? Oh, yeah. Just, you know, five years ago, this happened. And how did I get through it? And remembering what it felt like when you were in it and remembering what it feels like to come out of it because you will. Yeah. And I, I think, a lot of times, especially with my kids and kids in general, because of the students that I teach at Stump State, you got to meet them. They just loved you when you joined our class on public speaking. They don't have that perspective yet of there's a tomorrow. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You, Sun comes come up. Out of it. <laughs> yeah. Their world is yeah. small, right? Yeah. When you're a teenager, a young, in your young 20s, the world is small and you don't have a lot of experiences to fall back on and use as a reference point. And the one that I, you know, that I, you know, what I recently went through, which I know we'll get to, I really had to draw back on 2008, which is when I came to the Giants. Yeah. So I'd done those two years with the A's and then Larry Bear saw my work. And so people always say, how'd you get to the Giants? So the story was I covered the A's for two years and had that you know, best job ever. Yeah. And yeah. then Larry said to Ted Griggs, I want her on the Giants. And the Giants had had an in-game reporter for a few years, but every year it was somebody different. Yeah. Nobody really stuck. And they tried players. They tried Bip Roberts. They tried FP Santangelo. They tried Kimmy Blackstone, who was like a radio personality and did like sponsorship types of things in the games. And um, they wanted to have more of a, journalist in the role. And so they offered me this role with no description. They're like, yeah, we just watched in the games and we think you're good at what you do. And I'm like, well, what exactly is that? Yeah. 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 What are you asking <laughs> and me? So I went in, I'll never forget for the meeting to start our season. And we had just launched as Comcast Sportsnet at that time. So our name yeah. changed. We got bought by Comcast. It was this huge deal. We were launching a network, a news show. That's when we had anchors and all these, all these things were going on pregame shows, postgame shows. It was a huge deal. And I, I was pregnant with grace. So I'm pregnant with my second at this time. I have great timing with my pregnancy. Yeah. And, yeah. And so 
I go in and Jeff Kuiper, who I loved, I loved Jeff Kuiper covering the A's and being friends with Glenn Kuiper, his brother. Yeah. And cause I, it was always just friendly, friendly, friendly. Well, now Jeff is my kind of my boss. And he just slides this like index card over to me. He goes, this is what you're going to be responsible for. I'm like, oh, hi, how's yeah, yeah. Glenn? How's Dwayne? <laughs> yeah. like, and I knew at that point, looking back, it wasn't personal, but I knew he didn't want to deal with this position. This position sure. was a headache to him because he had to get this person into the broadcast of which he has to get, you know, commercials in and sponsorships in. And nobody really knows how busy that truck is unless you're in there and how hectic that job is and how hard that job is. Everyone has so much to do in the truck. It's a very chaotic environment. And then here I am another element they have to fit into the game. And so I have grace early, thank goodness. And they want me down for opening day in LA. And this is 2008 and she's uh, five weeks old. So we, Paul packs up the car. Yeah. Toddler grace is our newborn. And I'm still breastfeeding at this time. And we drive down I-5 for opening day. I remember my mom saying, why don't you just say no? Yeah. <laughs> I can't uh, do it. Can't do and that. I'm like, mom, yeah. you, don't, you don't just say no. You're like, <laughs> What do you mean? This is my career. Yeah. It was so funny. Like, oh, I would have said no. Yeah. And so, and Paul knew, like, that is like one of our biggest strengths is we understand each other's jobs. Like, you have to do this. You That's have right. to go. It's the launch of a new network. And we're in the hotel room and I can't fit into anything. And so, you know, the area in Pasadena, like Colorado and yeah. all that. So there's shop. I'm frantically looking for yeah. spank to try and suck everything in yeah. so I can fit into something. And I show up to Dodger Stadium and Jim Lynch, I had my hair was very long and he goes, hey, um, yeah, we got a little something right there on your shoulder. And I look and it's just spit up like yeah. all over my shirt. And so quickly I like tie my hair, like over the side. I go, okay, well that's yep. Okay. Yeah. What is it you want me to do? Yeah. Like there was zero instruction. And I remember going down to the field and I'm kind of standing there. I knew no one. Yeah. And I recognized Richard Aurelia from just being a Giants fan. And that guy will forever have a piece of my heart because here I am all chubbed out in my Spanx and you yeah. know, I'm yeah. a new mom again. Yeah. And I'm sure the guys were like, really? Yeah. This is who we got. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. And Richie came <laughs> to me and I was a, I was a hot mess. Yeah. yeah. And Richie came up to me and just put his hand out and he goes, hi, I'm rich. And every other player watched him do that. Yeah. And that Dave Roberts was on that team yep. and Randy Wynn and they all fell in line. And they were so wonderful to me. And Richie was a huge help to me in 2008 with asking post-game questions. And I, cause he wasn't playing a lot. So he kind of hung out yeah. with me in the well. Yeah. And I would ask him questions about, you know, how to ask difficult questions of players. Like, how do you guys appreciate being asked a difficult question? Cause you'll answer it if it's asked the right way. Yeah. You're not going to answer it if it ticks you off. Yeah, you still kind of have to talk about it. So he was right. huge to me that year. But on that trip back home after that series, you know, get through it, really had no idea what I was doing. I had this encounter with Boach because there was a rain delay 
And in LA, you sit like up on this perch and you can see down into the dugout and Jeff Kuyper's like, can you figure out what's going on? And I had done a lot of football, sideline football and football. You can just go right up and ask what's yeah. going on. And so I got up and I opened the little gate and I walked down into the dugout. Yeah. And they were like kind of waiting to start. Thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Pat Boach on the shoulder. And I think yeah. Timmy was supposed to start. And so we were trying to figure out if they were going to, if they were going to start him or not because of the delay yeah and he turns around you know all of him he's like yeah hey, hey yeah you're not supposed to be in here yeah. Yeah. you're gonna get in a lot of trouble i'm like do you know are you guys gonna start timmy like what, do you have a plan you know yeah yeah <laughs> Trying to get the oh, info man. He's like, uh, i'll get and the, the umpire's going yeah what's going on yeah. why is she in there yeah like, oh, okay just let me know like yeah yeah I no idea how the etiquette worked at yeah and everybody's yeah. like shaking their head like oh they couldn't believe yeah the spanx girl was just hopping on in that dugout and asking <laughs> questions and so the the worst part of that was we're driving back home on i-5 and paul's phone just starts blowing up blowing up blowing up and it's all of his friends in the media saying have you heard what they're saying about AB on KBR. Have you heard what the fans are saying? Have you heard what the hosts are saying? My yeah. colleague. Yeah. And I got shelled. Yeah. And it was the whole drive home. Mm. People calling, you know, and that's the other thing you like look back. You're like, did you really need to call and let us know that? Yeah. 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 And, that wasn't very uh, uplifting. Yeah. After another, basically saying how much I was hated. Yeah. And I just sat there and I just let it go. Yeah. And, you know, I had this moment where I just, but I also looked back at my babies and I'm like, nobody knows. Nobody knows what I have on my plate and nobody knows what I was not given to work with. Like, I'm just trying to figure it out. Yeah. And, yeah. And so those first couple of years were really brutal. And I received a lot of, nasty nasty comments on twitter and all yeah. you know, that's when all social media started to blow up and a few people wanted me to be hit in the head with a line drive and yeah yeah die. that's the bit that's the worst thing about the social media aspect is the bullying we call them uh why well, at the time it was just twitter we call them twitter cowards because they like to yeah. bash you but they'll never they'll never do it to your face no. uh but they can do they it on that profile yeah yeah the egg yeah and they still do it obviously but I, I do think that that's what people need to understand is, yeah. listen, you have no idea. I always say, I say it on the, on the podcast quite a bit. You know, there's always a drama unfolding behind everybody's face and you don't ever know. And for me, one of the things that I've had, you know, I've gained a lot of compassion over the years. Uh, I wouldn't say I started out like that. By the time I got to San Francisco, I had gained quite a bit more than I had had. But I look at people sometimes and you just never know what their day is, especially if it's out of character. But then also when people like to say stuff uh, on social media or they like to say stuff on the comment on radio where they call in, they don't understand, which I do not like the media aspect of things that like to entertain these things because they think it's funny. Man, there's right. a human being on the other side of that conversation that you're having. And, and it does hurt. And that's what people don't understand. You know, the sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me is the worst thing you could ever say anything. You can't, that's not, doesn't even make sense. You're not human. And I know that you had to put up with a lot of that and, and players do too. And, but I think that's what I'm trying to get at is they know the players do it, but they don't ever really realize that it's not just the players that put up with this. Right. And 
you chose to do a job that basically put a target on your back. You are taking risk of asking questions, interviewing, because that's what you're good at. But what people don't realize is like, it's not that easy. So if, if it was you get in front of a camera and go talk to that baseball player that just gave up a game winning Homer and be like, I don't, I gotta ask, you know, and it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable. Mm -hmm. And and you're trying to do the best you can. And I, I just think that you, you did so good, Amy. Like, I think you, you, you are doing so good. And I, I think that seeing how you brought, I think for me of all the teams I've ever been on, the Giants were the most human in the sense mm-hmm. that fans really knew the player. I think they felt like, I don't think they have that now because the way the games run. But I think back right. then they knew the player, but it wasn't because we necessarily got out there. I think it's because you chose to push through all of that and as frustrating as it was and your identity was kind of up in the air, right? As a mom, as a wife, as a everything. Aesthetically, you were, your identity was way off. You just had babies, right? So you're just like, it's a crazy deal and people are not nice, you know? So for me, yeah. it's like you went and you pushed through all of that and I think you did a really good job bringing the fans, the personalities of the players. You earned it. I think the players felt like you earned it, obviously. And so I think you were, it was a really good thing that you did, but here's the problem. Well, we did have a good group, but even in that though, the players, even that good group didn't talk to everybody, you know? So, I mean, Baggerly got thrown out of the clubhouse like 20 times. So (laughs) so I probably threw him out 19 of the 20 times. I was so uncomfortable. (laughs) I was like, what's happening here? What's happening here? Uh, Yeah, somehow I was the... Himself. Yeah, and I was the scapegoat too because he was like, Affel threw him out, you know? So I was like, whatever. And everybody knows the World Series. That's the accolades, like all these things. You became a, you're an eight time Emmy Award winner. You obviously ended up Kroot and Kipe, and you, man, Mil- well, John. I Mil- had Dwayne and Mike too. That helped. Yeah, and, <laughs> and it's like, man, it just, but it became so good. People loved watching the broadcast. I mean, I literally saw people. Like, I would do it. I would do, there might be game of the week on MOD TV. I'd just switch to the Giants because I wanted to hear you guys. Like, that's what I did. Like, it's just natural, right? So you guys did a good job of creating that. But here we go again, COVID, right? That's going to throw a wrinkle on a lot of things, obviously, for everybody, the whole country, the whole world, really. How things were done. But now it's almost similar to the situation way early in your career where it's like, it wasn't a baby, but it was COVID. And so now it's like, yeah. well, they're not even, I can't even be on the field. Like you can't even do anything. You're handcuffed. There's all these regulations that come in. And now the Giants have, once again, they, they make decisions. They make, they moves. You don't have a job like you did. So walk me through how what you learned back in this whole run of early on, early marriage scenarios, processing through that. Gaining a teammate in your husband, Paul, coming alongside. Now you made a name for yourselves. Again, you guys are Mm -hmm. there. You just set, but now you're, you don't have a job again. So now how does that work? Where is that at? So I think too, like, I do want to back up to just to mention Dwayne and Mike, because I think being able to push through the storms and, and having that, having that inner confidence and 
it's not always because you have it. A lot of times it's who you're surrounded by that help bring that out in you. And sometimes you get lucky with who you're around. And then a lot of times you have choices as to who you're around, right? So with Dwayne and Mike, I got lucky. I got really, really lucky. But I also knew they're not going to support somebody who doesn't work their ass off. And I think I had to earn their trust and respect out of the gate. And once I had that, those rough years, the few, the early years, they kind of really carried me because they wanted me there. All that Dwayne said in a broadcast after all this, you know, radio stuff was coming out on me, we're going to go down to Amy G and we're happy about it, you know? And like, once Dwayne <laughs> that's so good. Like He's that, so was, awesome with that. Just, uh. Like sticking it to people. Like we know what you're saying. And, and they did pull me aside, Jeremy one yet. Cause I never said anything, as you know, you never knew any of this. I knew yeah. a part of my job was to not bring my personal life to the park. Yeah. And tough to do job, though. Really tough to very, do. Very yeah. Because I had to entertain and people were relying on me to be happy, to be energetic, to be knowledgeable. And it didn't matter what had happened in my day or if I didn't feel well or something was going on personally in my life. And all of these things were being said and my confidence was absolutely rocked, but I knew I was surrounded by a really strong group and Dwayne and Mike pulled me in. They called me and pulled me into their booth. And both of them said, you know, they like got me in the corner and they're like, Hey, we want you here. Yeah. And we need you to know that. And they said, we have mothers, daughters, and sisters. And what's happening to you isn't fair. That's right. But we've got you. And my eyes, you know, here I yeah. go. And my my Kruko goes, Don't you cry. Yeah, yeah, don't yeah, you yeah. Cry. You know, and I'm like, oh my God, don't cry. You know. So once they kind of gave me their approval, that really helped. And like for people who are really struggling and trying to push through things, surround yourself with the people who believe in you. Yes. And Thank you. it really, yeah. really helps when you don't believe in yourself because we all go through those times. And sometimes you need to be reminded of whether, you know, you're a good person or you're good at what you do. And Dwayne and Mike did that in those early years and all they're like family to me, you know that. So, yeah. And I think that established a bond in our broadcast that was very family-like, you know, they were like, my brothers and we had that kind of rapport. And then I was able to take that relationship into the clubhouse with you guys. And you had such an impactful moment with me when I was nervous to ask you about an interview. Cause I did struggle with going up to you guys. I, I never wanted to bother you. I think that yeah. was probably my biggest thing. And it was, it took a long time for me to figure out that's my job yeah. <laughs> is to bother you yeah. and get you to talk about this. And to also realize like, what I do makes you look good. So That's give right. me the time, you know, that I had to kind of reframe it. And it took me a while where I looked at you were doing me a favor. And yet I was also doing the team a favor. And I had to kind of really look at it. Like, if you want to be a part of this, this is making fans get to know you better and it's going to help you in the long run. So it took me a little bit to get there, but that conversation, when you told me I needed to be more assertive, I've never forgotten it. And I really appreciate it. So, so anyway, so you have these moments and we had yeah, a fantastic yeah. run right after yeah. that. And it really felt like, and, and you should probably never feel like you're not replaceable or that nothing's going to change. And 
and we, I was kind of in that mode. Yeah. And in 19, it was starting to feel different yeah. everywhere with yeah. Boach announcing that he was going to retire. Yep. And one by one, you guys were retiring, right? Yeah. So this group that had been together for a long time was changing. And Mike Kruko, you know, was dealing with, you know, his um, issues and not yeah. as healthy as he had yeah. couldn't go places. And Dwayne was trying to help him. And so things were changing. And then the pandemic hits. And right. so really what happened in my life was a very unclear path with NBC, which was who I was hired by. A lot of people think I, I worked for the Giants. I worked for NBC yeah, sports area. And there was a breakdown in communication when COVID hit. And that ended up with me pretty much on the short end of the stick and on unemployment that summer yeah. with no work. Yeah, And it was very, very hard because this is when you've kind of got this zoom thing going and, you know, technology was allowing you to have these conversations because we couldn't be in person together, which is a huge benefit now of COVID that we've figured this out, but it was a huge amount of frustration on my end that there were things I could do and contribute. And my time with this fantastic run of the giants, we could fill airtime with interviews or whatever. And it, it wasn't going to happen. And while that was happening, this is the other part people don't know, the Raiders moved to yeah. Las Vegas. Yeah. And so Paul was told, you either have to move or move on. So I wasn't working, but felt like as soon as baseball comes back, I'll be back. So we can weather this storm, you know, yeah. okay, how do I get on unemployment? And that's what I did. And then we got hit with that Paul had to move. And so that crushed me because it was like we had this fantastic run of yeah. figuring things out and being together and now here a total right like 360 where this is like when we were first married and we're gonna commute again except we have two kids that are you know high school junior high and then the big the big whopper came um the we got the 60 game season in i did everything from the studio because i wasn't allowed to be on the field yeah and um they told me that they were eliminating the in-game position across the board. So it was one of those, like, don't take it personally, but you don't have a job anymore. And I've never spoken about this publicly. So I am a little uncomfortable, yeah. but I think it's important for people to know because I get asked all the time why I'm not in the broadcast and um, why I left. Yeah. And I want to clear that up. I did not leave. I was just not renewed. Yeah. And, and that's what people so don't get. And that's where I think people fail in these areas yeah. uh, and fans don't understand and fans don't understand that all the way around. You, you didn't leave. You weren't renewed. Like people say that about my, why'd you leave the broadcast booth? I just say it. Dr. Larry, it was his call, not mine. So like, yeah. Yeah. You, I don't, I don't have a problem with that because people need to know, like, I'm not going to beat around the bush. There's not politically correct here. There's he, it's not that I didn't love it. It's not that I didn't like it. I loved it. I liked it. I liked hearing about it. I just didn't get renewed. And it might not be, it's not necessarily one fault or the other. It's life and it sucks. And it's a storm that gets thrown at you. And it was a storm that was thrown at me on decisions I did not make. I didn't bring the storm. People want to say, well, what'd you do? I didn't do anything. I just didn't get renewed. It's, it's the way of the business. 
So you deal that storm, you weather it, you get through it. But what people need to realize is if you sulk, nothing happens. So you didn't sulk. You have time to be frustrated, be angry, throw something, scream, yell. We all do it. But you have to keep going. And you you realize you are built for the storm. You are built to handle it. There's more storms coming. It's not the last storm. I had a buddy that wrote a book called On My Worst Day. And it's literally 75, 80 scenarios of this is the worst day of my life. You're going to have a lot of worst right. days of your life. And there's, there's more ahead. There's yeah. more ahead. But now how did you, you weather it and now you're back at it again and you're doing what you've That's done very, that. very well. And you're on MLB network, right? Uh, MLB TV, yeah. I guess. Well, and the giants were huge too, you know? Yeah. I got news in November of 2020 that I would not be returning. And I did not know my status until March of 2021. And I kept it quiet because I kind of thought if something's going to happen, it's going to happen right around the season, whether I announce I'm not returning or whether I announce I have a position somewhere. And that is really where my relationship with Paul had always been really strong, but it grew exponentially during COVID because he saw me sulk a little bit, get really angry, a lot of frustration, a lot of resentment to 17 years with the company and see ya. Yeah. Where the quote was, we're going in a different direction. And so a lot of people offering advice, you're so good at what you do. You'll be fine. All of that. I'm like, but I got, you're not paying my mortgage. I am. So there immediately what I realized was I could make money. So in, uh, in a position today, I had a name, I had a presence, I had a brand and that all that time and going through those storms that had been building. And so during COVID, I was able to kind of fall back on that. I also had many irons in the fire. That would be another thing I would say to people and this, you know, use it metaphorically, but if you diversify yourself, you always have something else then going on. If this iron falls out of the fire, you've got the three other ones that you're working on while you're trying to repair this one or get it back in the fire. And I think that's really important, especially for working moms, because I'm at a place now where my son's going to go into his senior year. He's going to leave. And if I had, you know, only focused on just my children this whole time and not some stuff for myself, I think when he goes, it's going to be very hard, but I've got stuff to keep me busy and to keep my mind on things and things that are for me. So I kind of, I guess it sounds a little bit selfish, but I think it's super important in our mental health. When, you know, one part of your life collapses, do you have some other parts built up to keep you going? Yep. And so that was a big thing. I, I was teaching at Sonoma state. So I knew I had income. Yep. I took on a new business becoming a wine consultant yep. and I just was like, sure, let's just try it. I love wine. What? I can get a discount on it. And, <laughs> on it. Okay. and then a lot of things opened up zoom wise to host events. That's right. And so I had kind of that. My first question when I lost my job was how am I going to make money? Mm-hmm. This is all I've known to do for so many years. What am I going to do? And so that was answered fairly quickly that I could make money. It may not be what I was doing, but I can pay the bills. And so once that was answered, then I said, well, what do I, what do I want to do? Yeah. What do I, I've done the same thing for so long. So instead of sulking, 
maybe this is an opportunity. And I always believe you're going to get an answer somewhere along the path. You'll have that day that you say, oh, that's why this happened. That's right. And you don't know it, right? When you're in it, you don't know it. And there was a lot of, why did this happen? Why me? I don't understand. I didn't do anything. I, you know, I have a good fan base. Yeah. I have a good relationship, all blah, blah, blah. But it was a business decision. At the end of the day, it's a business decision and you're out. And so I said, well, I'd still really love to work for the Giants. But man, all those years I worked at NBC, I could not take jobs with MLB Network because there was a conflict of interest. And they had launched at the time. You had done some, the Facebook uh, broadcast, the YouTube broadcast. And I got asked every time for the Giants. And I had to say no, because NBC wouldn't allow me to do it. I said, well, that'd be kind of cool to get back on that. And what if I could marry those two worlds? Like, yeah. not, you know, I'm not going to be doing games. So that means I'm going to have more time. But what can I do for the Giants that's still fun? And then get that in-game reporting fix that I love with MLB Network. Yeah. And I put it out in the universe and the Giants were great. The Giants picked me up for the 2021 season. Really, it was kind of that 2008 yeah. year, right? Like, yeah. I'm not quite sure what you're going to do, but but we want you. And it was a tough year in, in navigating through what they wanted me to do, what we could do. We didn't have complete access to players. You know, we were still in masks for a long time. The first few games, I was doing some stuff from a suite up yeah. on my own, you know, but then they came to me in the off season and they said, I think we have identified a spot where you could really help. And that's going back to my production roots, producing and building digital content for the Giants YouTube page, but then also fronting it on the talent side. So really again, a total 360 back to what I used to yeah, do yeah. with the A's where I produced everything and I went on camera for it. And then MLB network offered me a spot on the YouTube package and and I'm getting ready to start teaching next week at Sonoma State and I still sell wine. And yeah. so, you know, it's one of those things. It's just don't ever think that I didn't feel bad or sad or mad about all of it. Yes, I did. But I kept that internal. Yeah. I kept it in my house. I shared it with Paul. Yeah. I shared it with my parents. I shared it with our publicist, Kathy, yeah. um, who's flash therapist, right? But it was a lot of put your game face on That's right. and, you know, put your big girl pants on and let's go. Like nobody's out there just waiting to hire you. You got to go let them know you're ready to do it. So, and I, I think all those years of storms yeah, actually built up a confidence for me to be able to face this one. Yeah, I think that's a, in a nutshell, you know, <clears throat> we got to be done here. But um, I think what I've taken from yours, Amy, is what I've taken from a lot of people. Storms will happen and you're going to have storms that are going to build you and they're going to strengthen you and you're going to have another storm and it's going to be a little tougher, but you're going to weather that one. Everything gets built for these these storms get you through life, but they're all teachable moments. There's always the sunrise on the other side of it. There's always basking in the sun. You're going to get through a storm. You're going to, I could say it, ride the wave. You're going to ride that wave for a little bit. Another storm is going to hit, but you're always built for it. And if your identity is not in what you do for a living, but who you are, 
Right. You can move on. And that's what I've heard from you is that you've always been this personality, this person that's comfortable in front of the camera. You're comfortable around cameras. You're comfortable working in a environment where you have to prove yourself in different ways. So when something, one storm hits you, you have an outlet, you have the ability to keep going. And that's what we always have to remember is we can't just go into a hole and hide when storms hit. You have to take them on and you have to push through them because your path is your path. And I think that you're, you're doing a great job. And I think that, like you said, it's going to work out, but the people that literally think, Oh, if this doesn't work out, I'm nothing. There is where we're going to end that we end thinking, producing, moving, becoming anything because we don't, we want to think that this is the only thing we can do. And it's not true as human beings. We have the ability to do a lot of great things. Uh, so I appreciate your story, Amy. I really, really do. Uh, I thank you for your vulnerability too. It's awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, you know a lot more about me now. Well, I, I appreciate it, though, because and I think a lot of people are going to appreciate it because the respect factor for me goes up because people have to see, wow, so it wasn't just a cakewalk. It's not a pretty face. It's not just a, oh, well, this, it's not that hard to do. No, it's none of that is in reality to what I lived. And I think that's what I'm trying to show people is we all go through it. But we all have a common theme here and we all have the, the ones that are successful in life are the ones that don't run from the storm. They take them on and uh, you've done that. So I really, really appreciate that. So thank you so much for coming on, Amy. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I was just going to say it's kind of funny that I chose to work in live TV because if there's any parallel for life, it's yeah. live TV. When things go down, you know, it's all about what are you going to do now? Yeah, that's How right. are you going to fix? What are you going to come up with? And that's kind of what you have to do in life. Yeah, no, you've relayed that metaphor well. Thank you, Amy. I appreciate it. Look Thanks forward for to chatting with you. Me. Yeah, absolutely. All right, bye. You've been dialed into the Built for the Storm podcast with Jeremy Affel. And he strikes out. That's four straight for Affel. Can't do it any better than Jeremy Affel. If you like what you heard, please like, rate, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify today. Jeremy Athel here for Free Roam Brewing Company. Do you enjoy craft beer? I do. So I started Free Roam Brewing Company. Our logo, environment, and community all reflect the mighty buffalo, a creature built for the storm. It symbolizes inner strength, perseverance, and a love of freedom. Here at Free Roam Brewing Company, we are determined to strengthen our community through the love of craft beer. Our premium quality lagers and ales reflect the diverse experiences and tastes of our community. In a boundless world of potential beer styles, we cherish the freedom to roam. So if you're in the Bernie area, whether local or passing through, join us on Main Street and enjoy your freedom. Jeremy Affel here for the Hotel Via. I know you've heard it's at the intersection of sports, technology, and entertainment. But for me, it's my home away from home when I visit San Francisco. I can give you 50 great reasons why I chose Hotel Via, but it's easier for me to say it provides all the comforts of home, family-owned and operated, and of course, it's across from the beautiful Oracle Park. So when you're coming to San Francisco for business, pleasure, vacation, or just coming to a sporting event, check in to the Hotel Via.